Too many people want Jesus to just be their savior and have fire insurance, not go to hell, but live however they want. Friends, it doesn't work that way. When you give your life to Jesus, you fall under his authority. Jesus calls the shots. You die to yourself. See, Jesus died a death we could not die so we can live a life we could not live. And he doesn't let us straddle the fence. We either accept or reject Jesus. Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. So great to have you here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome, welcome to those joining us in the upstairs venue, the loft outside online. Stoked to have you guys here with us, and maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for several years. Maybe a friend invited you, a family member. Maybe you were kidnapped in the name of Jesus. I just want to say uh, I am stoked that you are here, and uh, I believe that Jesus Christ has something very powerful that he wants to do in every single one of our hearts and lives today. Now, a little bit about our church. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and we believe that Jesus Christ has the power to change anybody. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you where you're at. Uh, we take God very seriously but you're gonna see very quickly, we don't take ourselves very seriously. So again, stoked to have you guys here with us today. What I wanna focus on today are, are three words. Three words from the Easter story, from the angel, that when we not just understand these words, when we experience them personally, I believe they will radically transform our lives. And it's the three words he has risen. Now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, go ahead and uh, open it up. If not, we have you covered. Feel free to just check out the screens. If you want to raise your hand to get a Bible, feel free to do that. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Let me set the context for what's taking place. Jesus has hung out with his disciples on Thursday night. He's washed their feet. He's served them communion. He's let them know that he's going to die. He's going to rise again. And these guys are, are fearful because Friday, he does that. He dies on the cross for our sins. And these guys are left discouraged. They're left not understanding. But then Sunday comes. And we experience the greatest miracle ever in the history of the world. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1 reads this way. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back 
the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Heavenly Father, God, right now, would you take away any and every distraction that would keep us from hearing you speak clearly to our hearts and lives? God, soften our hearts, open our hearts. God, we don't just wanna understand the story of your resurrection, the reality of your resurrection. We wanna experience it. So God, would you change us from the inside out? And God, I pray for your help. God, that you would speak through me with great clarity, with great boldness, with great passion. Have your way in our lives today. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you wanna grab out your message notes, great way to track with the message today. We are going to jump right in and look at the greatest event in history, which is the resurrection. And what I believe are the most powerful words ever spoken, he has risen. What do these words mean? Where well, we're gonna verify that right now. First word, he, we're asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is the he we're talking about? What's so significant about Jesus? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, Jesus claimed to be God. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Later in John 13, Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Jesus is saying, I'm the master, I'm the creator, but, but not only that, I'm Lord, I'm God. And he claimed to do the things that only God could do. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. He claimed that he was gonna die and come back to life. He claimed that he would come back to return to judge the world. He claimed to be a heavenly king. He, he claimed to give everlasting life. He claimed to be God and claimed to do the things that only God can do. Not only that, Jesus, fully human and fully God, claimed to be the only way to God. Not a way to God, the way to God. And this is what it says in John 6, or 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This flies in the face of culture. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's one way through one person and his name is Jesus Christ. Now you might be thinking, okay, Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to God. Anybody could claim that stuff. How, how do I know it's true? Well, it's miracles. The life that Jesus lived. See, the miracles prove his message. His works 
prove his words. So many miracles that Jesus did to prove that he truly is God and had the power to do things that only God can do. Well, what are some of those miracles? First of all, Jesus was born from a virgin. Second of all, Jesus, his first miracle in the gospels, he changed water into wine. Some of you are like, I wish he could come to my wedding, right? <laughs> Thirdly, he healed the sick, he cured disease, he calmed the storm, he walked on water. He fed 5,000, 4,000 at a time, all kinds of people with a little bread and fish. He cast out demons, he raised the dead. He ends up rising from the grave, which is why we celebrate Easter. And this is what separates Jesus from every other religious leader. Every other religious leader is still dead. Jesus conquered death. He is fully alive. Now, this isn't just things that Jesus said about himself. We see this in the Old Testament. The Old Testament said that there would be a Messiah, somebody that would uh, die for our sins. This, this whole Old Testament is, is really looking towards the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said this about himself. I'm gonna die and I'm gonna rise three days later. Uh, we see this from John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, look, speaking of Jesus, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, why is this so important? Because in the Old Testament, in order for us to be forgiven of our sin, there had to be blood sacrifice. In fact, Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so the whole Old Testament was sacrifice after sacrifice, taking this, this lamb and bringing it to the priest and the priest would sacrifice it for the forgiveness of sins. In the entire Old Testament, we're waiting for the perfect sacrifice. That would be the final sacrifice that would take away the sin of the world. That person is Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, if Jesus is God and Jesus is sinless and Jesus is flawless and Jesus is in control, who are we? Well, we're not God. We're not sinless. We're not in control. Boy, if you ever think your life is in control, there's, there's always a curveball. In fact, how many of you right now, confession time, how many of you are control freaks? How do you like to be in control? Good, some of you, okay, let me ask this a different way. How many of you are sitting next to a control freak that likes to be, oh, a lot more hands? I like to be in control. I was reminded six months ago that I am not in control. Some of you know where this is going. I'm 47 years old. Three and a half years ago, I had a vasectomy because I was done having children. So I thought, turns out now, my wife is almost seven months pregnant with our fourth child. Yeah. It's always interesting to see how people respond to that. You know, because some people are like, yeah, that's awesome. Other people are like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's just great. But here's the point, we're, we're not in control. We're, we're sinners in desperate, desperate need of a savior. In fact, in fact, the Bible calls us and refers to us as sheep. Now, you know what's interesting about that? Sheep are stupid, all right? <laughs> Sheep are not the smartest crayons in the crayon box. That's us. In fact, if I could illustrate sheep in, in just a, a simple, clear way that describes us, it would be in this video. 
Some of you ladies are like, yeah, that's my husband. That's, that's, that's my husband. That's us. We are people that are messed up. We are sinners in desperate need of a savior. In fact, I love what it says in Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good we think we are. That's the purpose of the Old Testament. The Old Testament has over 600 laws. Now, 10 of those are found in the 10 commandments. Like don't steal, don't lie. Raise your hand if you've never lied. Good, I was waiting for somebody to break that commandment right now. (laughs) What does the law do? It's a spiritual MRI. It, It makes us see our hearts for who we really are, that we are in desperate need of a savior because we are full of sin in our lives. Romans 6, 23 puts it this way, for the wages of sin is death. A wage is what you earn for something. The Bible says it's death. What is Paul talking about here? He's saying it's eternal life separated from God in a place called hell, prepared for Satan and his demons. See, the question isn't, will you have eternal life? We will all have eternal life. The question is, where are you gonna spend it? It's either gonna be in heaven, it's gonna be in hell. A lot of people, pastors don't say it that bluntly because they don't wanna offend people. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this because salvation is a gift. We need to receive it. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God and Jesus is the only way to God. And then the second word is has. I love this word has. What has Jesus done. And I love this because this reminds us of the focus. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done. I want to say that again. It's not about your good works. It's not about your efforts. It's not about your kindness. It's not about how often you go to church. It's not about how often you read the Bible. It's not about how good you think you are to get saved from your sin is all about what Jesus Christ has done. And what did he do Easter morning? Easter morning, he rose from the grave, communicating that he has power, not just over sin, but over death. When he rose from the grave, it let everybody know that his sacrifice was sufficient in the eyes of God. Now, now for I think a lot of us, uh, we, we think about uh, salvation by, by works. It feels good. Salvation by works, this whole concept of grace is, it's really hard for, under, for us to understand that salvation is a free gift. You don't do anything, you just receive it. In fact, we live in a culture when somebody wants to do something for us and they don't want anything from us, we're always like, what's the catch? Like, what, what, what do you really want? You know what God really wants? You. He wants you. And yet, if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of of religion instead of relationship. Every other religion falls into the category of salvation by works. As long as I do enough stuff and I, I contribute something, then I'll be saved. Friends, let me be crystal clear. There is nothing you can contribute to your salvation. The Bible says that our good deeds are but filthy rags in the eyes of Christ. 
You know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people say, well, as, lo- as, long as, my, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, man, then, then I'll go to heaven. See, you're comparing yourself in light of others instead of the holiness of God. God is holy. God is perfect. He cannot allow any sin into heaven. And so the matter is not just passing. The matter is not just trying to get a C minus like you did in high school and college. Welcome to the club. It's perfection. We're not perfect. I think one of the most freeing things that we can do is recognize and realize and admit that we are not perfect, that we're messed up, that we've got issues and that we desperately need a savior. In fact, in in psychology, there's this word called the self-enhancement effect, which means that we rate ourselves highly on a variety of positive measures, whether it's intellect, whether it's being athletic, organized, interesting, good looking, we think more highly of ourselves than the average person. And here's the problem when we do that. The problem when we do that is that we set the standard for so many different things in life, specifically our morality. We become God and we end up working toward the conclusion that we want. We aren't saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. You know, there was a a guy that went up to a lifeguard who was uh, lifeguarding at an ocean. He said to him, hey, hey, lifeguard, lifeguard, my, my my buddy's out there. He's drowning, he's struggling, he's struggling. Can you save him? And the lifeguard just sat there just chilling, just staring at the guy while he's drowning. The guy's like, hey, no, you gotta, you gotta go out there now. And he just sat there and he waited until this guy in the ocean stops fighting for his life and starts to drown. It was then that the the lifeguard got off his stand, ran into the water, saved this guy, brought him back to shore. The guy was fine, saved his life. The buddy said, hey, why didn't you go out there earlier? And the lifeguard turned to him and said, I was waiting for him to stop trying to save himself. Because if, I would have went out there earlier, he would have taken me down with him. Friends, that's the reality of so many of you. You're doing so many things that, that are good, that are right, that are nice, that are kind, and you are exhausted because you are trying to save yourself. Boy, if we could save ourselves, Jesus would have never come. If we could save ourselves, we would not need a savior. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 puts it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. John 3, 16 puts it this way. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, I love this. He, who is he? It's Jesus. Jesus being fully God, the only way that God has. What does that mean? It means that Jesus has done all the work for salvation. He's died. He rose. Everything we need is found in Jesus Christ. Our focus needs to be on what Jesus Christ has done and not what we're doing. And then thirdly, in your notes, is risen. Risen. And the question is, Why does this matter? 
What's so important about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the power of God was put on display. There is nothing our God cannot do. I wanna say that again. There is nothing our God cannot do. He conquered sin. He conquered death. Like the resurrection is key to the Christian faith, which is why so many skeptics will attack the resurrection because they'll know that, boy, if the resurrection didn't happen, then, then Christianity isn't real. And so they'll start attacking the resurrection. Paul even says in the New Testament, boy, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, Christians of all people are a people to be pitied. So how do you know with confidence that the resurrection happened? Three realities. Number one, feel free to write these down in your notes. An empty tomb. How do we know the resurrection took place? The tomb was empty. Jesus was nowhere to be found. If he truly had died and stayed dead, there would be a dead body that somebody could have come up with. It didn't happen, the tomb was empty. Second of all, post-resurrection witnesses. Post-resurrection witnesses. You know, it would have been <clears throat> easy to dismiss the reality if Jesus just showed up to one or two people, but he showed up to James, John, Mary Magdalene, the 12 disciples all at the same time, 500 disciples all at the same time, other, other followers, other people. Some of these skeptics will say, you know what, they could have been hallucinating. Well, maybe one person could hallucinate or two, but 500 people would not hallucinate at the same time. How do we know the resurrection happened? An empty tomb, post-resurrection witnesses, and then thirdly, the disciples' lives were changed. Here's some guys that said, you know what? For the rest of my life, I wanna tell people about Jesus. Why? They knew that Jesus saves. They knew that the only way to God was through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ not only died and forgave us of our sins, he conquered sin, conquered death. And so these guys are either exiled or killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. We can know with confidence that the resurrection truly changes lives. And not only that, millions of people's lives have been changed since the resurrection. So we are saved from sin because of the resurrection. We are saved from ourselves. But what are we saved for? See, there's only two kinds of people in this world. There's people without Jesus or people with Jesus. You're saved for a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not saved for religion. Now, I think about the two differences. Without Jesus, people are filled with worry, fear, insecurity, emptiness. They're unforgiven. They only experience temporary happiness. They're perishing and they're prideful. But with Jesus, we've got peace. We've got hope. We've got confidence. We've got fulfillment. We've been forgiven, we've got joy, we're fully alive, and we're humble. Like two radically different kinds of people. And where this truly plays out is when somebody dies. And you're at a funeral. If you're at a funeral with, with somebody that doesn't know Jesus and the family doesn't know Jesus, there's so much worry, there's so much fear, there's so much uncertainty, and they're just mourning and mourning and mourning. 
And yet when you go to a funeral for somebody that had a relationship with Jesus Christ, man, there might be temporary tears, but there's comfort and there's joy and there's peace. Why? Because the family knows that that person is with Jesus. Let me get really um, specific here just for a moment. My son, um, Jacob, is almost 19 years old. Doesn't walk, doesn't talk. He's been in a wheelchair his entire life. In fact, he gets fed through a little feeding tube. He gets water through a little feeding tube. He needs 100% care. And is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. But in the midst of that, I've got a peace. I've got a comfort. I've got a joy because I know for Jacob, this is only temporary because there's gonna be a day when he goes home to be with Jesus and he's not gonna be in his wheelchair anymore. He's gonna be running around. And not only is he gonna be running around in heaven, he's gonna be eating in and out burger. (laughs) And not only is he gonna be eating in and out burger, he's gonna be eating Chick-fil-A. And he's gonna be eating Chick-fil-A all day because it's open on Sunday, right? (laughs) Up in heaven. But that's the reality, two different kinds of people. There's no middle ground. Either you've got a life with Jesus or you've got a life without Jesus. He's risen. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't love you for simply who you can become. He loves you for who you are. And some of you here today are like, man, you don't understand my past. You don't understand my sin. You don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't, but God does. See, that's the beauty of Jesus. Fully God became a human. He gets us. He gets your pain. If you're, you're lonely, he understands loneliness. Boy, if you're hurting physically, he understands physical pain. Boy, if you've been tempted, he understands temptation, and yet he never sinned. He gets us. He has risen. He, Jesus, he's God, the only way to God has. He's done all the work for salvation. He is risen. He's got the ultimate power over sin and over death and calls us to relationship with him. And so here's here's the reality of Easter. The reality of Easter is that there's only two choices. You either receive or reject Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Now, Savior and Lord, yes, he saves us from our sin, but what does it mean to be Lord? That means that he's the king. He has the rule. He has the reign. He calls the shots. Too many people want Jesus to just be their savior and have fire insurance, not go to hell, but live however they want. Friends, it doesn't work that way. When you give your life to Jesus, you fall under his authority. Jesus calls the shots. You die to yourself. See, Jesus died a death we could not die so we can live a life we could not live. 
and he doesn't let us straddle the fence. We either accept or reject Jesus. It was in John chapter 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The same question he asked thousands of years ago is the same question he asked every single one of us today. Do you believe this? Do you believe in the resurrection? Because if Christ rise, we should rise as well. If our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, it literally changes everything. Now, just a moment. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're also gonna have baptisms up here towards the end of our service. Uh, it's gonna be an awesome time of, of celebration. But today could be the greatest day of your life because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to go to the cross in our place for our sins. so that we can have life and rise three days later, proving victory over sin and death and proving power over everything and demonstrating ultimate authority. God, we praise you today because there is nothing our God cannot do. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never admitted that you're a sinner, that you fall short of God's perfect standard and that you need a savior. You can do that right now through a prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, it's the attitude of the heart that goes something like this, dear Jesus. I don't know a ton about you but I know that you love me. I know that you're God. And I know that I'm not God. So today in the best way that I know how, I confess, I admit that I am a sinner and I need you. So I turn from my sin, I repent. And I receive your free gift of salvation that you did on the cross that you prove through the resurrection of your body. I give you total control of my life. Make me into the person you want me to be. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and look at me wherever you're at? Right here in the worship center, good, good. In the loft, in the venue online in the ministry mall. Raise your hand, look at me wherever you're at. Good, 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 good. Is there anyone else? You may be in a different venue and say, you know, Jeremy, you can't see me. No, but God can. Raise that hand and look up to God. 
If you had 15 seconds to save your life, to surrendering it to Jesus Christ, would you do that now at Easter? Good, good, good. 10 seconds. For he has risen to be a reality for your life. Five seconds for you to make a, a decision today that will impact you not just now, but for all of eternity. Is there anyone else this Easter that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ? Now's the time. Raise your hand high and look at me wherever you're at. Good, 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 good. God, we thank you so much today for the hands that were raised most importantly, the hearts that were changed through the shed blood and the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.